Hi guys, welcome. It's the Lich Lounge. I'm Dale. I'm here with Alex and Charlie. Alex, wave. What's up? Charlie, wave. Salutations. There we go. Everyone knows who everyone is. <laughs> uh, <work>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to be looking at the uh, the background options that have been released as part of the one D and D playtest that we released in the Unearthed Arcana. Um, some interesting changes have been made. Let's go. We just did an insynchronized sip, by the way, out there, Alex. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, I think the biggest change that's come from the one D&D playtest is that it seems to be we've had a complete revamp of the background system, and that's now tying into races and classes, right? Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Yeah, so I think traditionally a lot of people that are familiar with 5e know that uh, for example, your ability score changes might come from your race. So I know that D and D have started to phase that out, particularly in the uh, the Tasha's Cauldron of Everything book. Um, but obviously, with this playtest rule uh, rule set, uh, that's completely gone. So all all of your ability changes, uh, ability score changes, sorry, will come from your backgrounds. Uh, you get obviously all of your tool proficiencies and things like that from your backgrounds as well, which is fairly common already, I think. And then you also get given a feat as part of your backgrounds as well. So I think they're really trying to tap into the fact that obviously, um, you know, before your character became an adventurer, what were they? Because obviously you're not born into an adventure in life for the most part. So I think that uh, it really helps solidify sort of your background uh, and your sort of backstory as to where your character came from and what they were doing before they became an adventurer. And I personally think it's a really nice change. Like, for example, uh, on my screen here, obviously you can see Acolyte. So your ability scores uh change so you get a plus two to wisdom and plus one to intelligence as, as part of being an acolyte and i think that makes a lot of sense just being someone that's quite scholarly um, right don't know what you guys think yeah yeah i mean that's changed from the previous original set of 5e that came out on launch all those years ago which was you you'd get your ability scores from your races right yeah uh so i quite like the idea that we're adopting sort of variations in races i can almost imagine uh the character gul'dan from world of warcraft stepping into the world of D, D, where he's he's quite physically weak and fragile but uh he's still an orc so i've got a few, obviously a few ideas like this coming up into mind about you know what characters i want to create obviously that's a long long way down the road because we're pretty much fresh in, a, in one campaign as it is now but yeah, I mean, it, it makes for a lot of variety. Uh, a lot more variety than what I originally uh, played with on the first set of uh, 5e game rules anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I like, uh, you mentioned obviously Ghoul down there, but I think that it's nice being able to give players a bit of a, a bit more variety with how they make the characters. Uh, obviously, you mentioned that Gul'dan's a good example in World of, War uh, World of Warcraft because he's an orc, which are typically seen as quite strong and brutish. So you you know you might associate them with being fighters or barbarians. Whereas obviously, uh, and obviously with the previous rules, uh, orcs give, being given plus two to strength, for example, kind of leans players that are already going down a martial class to pick an orc. You don't really ever see orcs as like mages or sorcerers, wizards or sorcerers or anything like that because it didn't fit and it didn't really give any advantage whereas now it doesn't matter your your race is purely for flavor and backstory and i think that's i think it's really nice just in terms of being able to build a more uh unique character i guess yeah so simply put it's almost like orcs are not just swinging axes anymore you've not got 
elves just casting spells you've not got dwarves just holding shields you know there's really a variety and choice across the board now isn't there yeah definitely i mean charlie do you have any thoughts on it being a looking at it from a dm a usually dm perspective sure i'll come into it with my dm perspective section shall we say so for me i think it's really good It it's a positive change in the sense that I think it brings about a lot more diversity in the characters that we'll see um, as player characters. You know, typically speaking, when you pick a certain kind of class, if you want to have the most effective um, build for that class, and there's no shame in that, you know, there's there's sort of some degree of shame that are put on people for, you know, shall we say, building the best that they possibly can with uh, with their character from the outset. But... I think it makes sense to want your character to work well whilst not being overpowered. Um, and you're, you're almost automatically being penalized if you pick a particular race that doesn't benefit from uh, features that work with the class you're picking. This, straight off the bat, just removes that. And I think it's a good way to, to sort of step towards it. Um, you know, I think it makes sense. This way you're going to have a little bit more uh, of, a, of an option, I suppose, in terms of the race that you're picking. And you're you're then defining that that aspect that needs to go in line with your your class based on your background. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, overall, I think it's a really good change. I think it's a really nice change to to character creation, and it gives it a bit more flavor in terms of backstory and and everything like that. So yeah, like you say, like like what we've already said originally, I think it's nice for creating unique, varied, and diverse characters. So I'm happy with the change personally. So um, well. As we've done a bit of an introduction to the changes that are coming that we might see in the in the coming two years, should we have a little look at the first glimpses of different backgrounds they have to offer? Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I mentioned obviously acolyte earlier. So, uh, so acolyte, you get uh, plus two wisdom, plus one intelligence. Uh, obviously, you get your usual skill proficiencies that you'd usually get with backgrounds. Uh, so in this case, Insight Religion, uh, you get your obviously tool proficiencies. I'm not 100% sure. You'd have to correct me. Um, do all backgrounds give tool proficiencies or is it only some? I think it's some, right, isn't it? Because it depends on the background. Currently. I mean, we'll find out. I mean, this is just a, as much of a first reaction for us as it is no, no, sorry, probably some of the listeners. I meant in current rules. Are you talking about original 5e, not 1d? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Five E, I believe, does give a tool set amongst most backgrounds. But it's not all, is it? Then again, it might not be all on on this new. Set, I mean, so. I can't. I'm not sure of the fact, the exact facts, to be honest. But I would wager some money that most of them do, to be honest. Yeah, and then obviously, I think the biggest change here is I I know that for example, a lot of them will give a language. Uh, we'll move on to languages in a little bit because, Alex, I know you and I were speaking about languages earlier in the sense that they've changed how languages work. So you've got uh, sort of common languages that you'd speak, so any languages that you'd find typically on the prime material plane, and then you've got rare languages, which are basically languages that you'd find in the sort of outlying... Um, uh, the outer planes and stuff like that, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so obviously with Acolyte, you get the Celestial Language, which would be, in this case, a rare language uh, as part of this new playtest. And then uh, the biggest change, I think, actually, to the the backgrounds is that you actually get given a feat, and it specifies which feat you get given. So with the Acolyte, the feat that you get given is Magic Initiate, and then in brackets, Divine. 
Now, the reason why they got Divine in there uh, in brackets is because they've also, uh, one of the other changes they've made to, to the, with this playtest is that magic spells have been broken down into three um, trees, essentially three lists, uh, should I say. So, obviously, typically in 5e, you have uh, all your different spellcasting classes that have their own lists, magic lists, uh, spell lists, whereas now that's not the case. Those classes will basically tap into one of the three um, predetermined lists, which I think is quite cool. So, as part of an acolyte, you get the magic initiate feat, which is basically where you get to choose uh, two cantrips, and then obviously it specifies that you choose those two cantrips from the divine magic spell list. So, that's pretty cool. And um, as, uh, yeah, as well as all the previous we've just mentioned, you still get equipment as part of your backgrounds as well. But they've added more on, so they've taken the class equipment and added it into what was already the background equipment as well. So it yeah, looks yeah. like backgrounds are almost just coming your one-stop shop to creating a very beginner, low-level character, I suppose, because it's almost like class and race has lost a lot of their attributes and we're putting it all into the backgrounds it does look that way to me um so obviously usually you, when you well obviously when you pick a class you get like a choice of a or b so like if you're playing a fighter for example you might get like javelins or a short sword or something like that whereas now you might i think because obviously classes aren't in this yet i think that well i'm predicting that what you get with your class are very class specific items so for example an arcane focus if you're a spellcaster that sort of thing and then obviously with the backgrounds as you mentioned you do get a sort of expanded equipment list so again yeah. just just looking at the acolyte you get a prayer book calligrapher supplies to go in you know to go sort of hand in hand with the tool proficiency which is calligrapher supplies as well um you get holy symbol three gold pieces a robe and then 10 sheets of parchment so obviously it's, it's equipment it's, it's a bit of an expanded equipment list but it's very specific to that background which again is pretty cool uh, so I guess now we've broken one down, we can not rush through the rest, but we can sort of just break uh, quickly note down what you get and the benefits. We can then do a, a little bit more of a more interesting further discussion into each background, right? So, yeah. for example, the artisan, you spend your, most of your time mopping the floors and scrubbing the counters, etc., etc. With this class, you get a plus two intelligence and a plus one charisma this time. Uh, the skill proficiency you get at investigation and persuasion, which is quite nice. It's a very social, creative background, per se. And the languages you get are Gnomish, which is quite interesting. I'm presuming it's part of that creator background. Maybe, obviously, the gnomes are very uh, heavy on tinkering and creating as such. So it makes sense, I suppose. And then the, you get a feat, which is called Crafter, which we can dive into later. Yeah, the only thing that I'd say is pretty weird there, and I guess you could, I mean, personally, I'd want to change it. I'd definitely ask my DMs to change. The language that you get with artisans is Gnomish. And in the description, as part of your studies, you picked up Gnomish, uh, the tongue from which so many of the artisans' t uh, terms of, and art are derived from. I think that's pretty world-specific. And again, this is the same with all of these rules. Obviously, it's very case-by-case -case in terms of your campaign that you're going to be running, and obviously working with your DM. So... I think it's a nice example. I just think it's a little bit weird. Artisan is not something that I'd really deem as something that's be like picking up gnomish. Um, but I mean, it's not a huge thing. It's just obviously a case by case scenario. Um, 
And we are, we are, we've got to remember that every one of these is going to be under playtest, right? People are constantly sending feedback into Wizards at the moment, maybe tinkering a few things. We've already had a quick skim through of this before the podcast, and we've already noticed a couple of things that may be a little bit overtuned. But again, we'll get into those as we fly past. Yeah. I mean, Charlie, is there anything that's jumping out to you as, as to interesting, nice change? What, what are you thinking? Well, for me, my, my initial uh, glimpse into this background was sort of drawn towards the, the language like you touched on, Dale. But I think it does sort of make sense in, in the sense of um, their, their default uh, way that they describe gnomes in, in the context of D&D. And of course, it can vary from world to world. You know, there is no limitation as to how you want your races to be presented within your own homebrew worlds. But I think... They generally try to portray gnomes as, uh, you know, these very um, uh, industry forefront breaking people for, for when it comes to, you know, the magical side of things and artisan crafting. So I think that's where that's coming from. Um, it, it seems as though, and I can sort of see this looking a little bit further down the list, so maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but it looks as though they're trying to tie particular languages to particular um, backgrounds. Um my my initial thoughts about that are basically um, maybe this is a way to sort of introduce a bit more of a, a diverse cast of languages into your party. Because I know at least from the, the moments where I've made characters as a player character, I've always been drawn most often when I'm picking my extra languages to what I would consider to be the most commonly used. So things like Elven, Dwarvish, that sort of thing. This way, without giving you the choice, it sort of means that your party, assuming they all come from different backgrounds, are going to have this widespread of languages that they can speak. And from a DM's perspective, that gives you a couple of opportunities. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think that, I mean, obviously, having been a player more often than a DM, uh, when I'm creating a, a character for a setting, obviously, we're aware of the campaign setting beforehand you tend to there's there's a, an element of metagaming there because obviously you want to pick useful languages but you also i mean i've been guilty of it myself i always pick uh what is one language that i think would be relevant within the campaign setting and it's a little bit metagaming because it might not make sense i, I could be a halfling farmer in my previous life before i became a um before, before i became an adventurer i'd have no business knowing celestial or abyssal do you know what i mean so i like that the backgrounds are giving the sort of languages and then obviously as i mentioned here uh, so we've got standard languages and then rare languages so obviously in terms of standard standard languages these are on the material plane so common common sign language which isn't which is actually an addition i believe which is pretty cool uh dwarven elvish giant gnomish goblin halfling and orc uh, and then your rare languages would be abyssal celestial deep speech draconic druidic uh infernal primordial uh, which includes Aquan, Auron, Ignan, ter uh, Terran dialects, Sylvan, Thieves can't, which is interesting, and then Undercommon. I would class Undercommon as a standard language because it doesn't exist on the material plane. However, I guess it's pretty rare because it is, um, obviously, it's the Underdark specifically. Um, but I like that because that then means that there's more emphasis on the backgrounds. So if I go back up here, where was it? I think it's Cultist. So, uh, yeah, it's a cultist. You get the language Abyssal, which is obviously the, the language of the demons, which makes sense for a cultist who would probably be worshipping or, or studying, um, you know, anything of the nature of demonic. 
so I think, yeah, I think they're really trying to lean into the emphasis of picking a good background to drive your backstory, if that makes sense. And I, I love that. I think, and like you said, Charlie, I think it helps that if players are all picking backgrounds that suit their characters, they it sort of takes the metagamey aspect out of picking languages to an extent. Obviously, I believe they get to choose one extra language, but it gives them a, it gives them sort of a wide variety of languages, which helps the players as a party and it helps the DM in terms of opportunities, I guess you could say. So I really like that. I really like that change. Nice. So uh, where were we with the rest of the backgrounds? Because obviously we've gone... We've gone from talking about the artisan, was it, all the way down to languages. So yeah, if we bring so it back up, where were we? We're at charlatan? Uh, yes, just here. So the charlatan is giving you plus two charisma, plus one dex, as expected. The proficiency is a deception and sleight of hand, which is, again, kind of obvious. Tool proficiency is a forgery kit. Now I would have expected thieves tools maybe in there as well, but forgery kit works languages are infernal which is a little bit different but again based on the standard D circumstance and your feat is skilled which again we can dive into a little bit later but i'm presuming it's the same old sort of basic charlatan background uh Yeah, it's covering basically the background of just being deceptive, living on the streets, being a little bit of a trickery bugger. You also get a costume forgery kit, fine clothes, and plus plus fifteen gold. So, yeah, yeah, I like so... it. It's uh, pretty original. We're not going too far away from five E here at all, but we're just adding yeah. the stats in there. I think it's pretty, yeah, I mean, it's sticking to the sort of the, how you would usually see a charlatan. Anything that strikes me as pretty interesting there is the language being infernal. Now, the only way I can sort of make sense of that is that obviously infernal is the language of, of like devils. Certain devils are by nature very trickery, you know, they, they are deception, trickery. Uh, they are, in a sense, in essence, like charlatan beings. So I can kind of understand it there, but I, I think to my point where abyssal makes sense for occultists because they would tend to worship or study demonic powers i don't think a charlatan is going to be going out of his way to 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 sort of understand infernal or worship uh beings that are like devils for example uh, again i think it's pretty backstory specific so that feel, that one feels a little bit weird to me but overall i think it's a pretty good backstory and it, it sort of hits the notes it needs to yeah i think we're going to find a common occurrence of the languages being a little bit uh, weird in places um i suppose it's it's setting the almost like setting the standard for like the base DD world the forgotten realms depending on where your background is but it's weird that they've gone for like oh you could be any race and any class and there's going to be so much variety in what you can choose now but if you're a charlatan you only know infernal yeah I do believe that um, I do believe that you get to pick uh, a language. So you get the language of your race, the language of your background, and then you do get to pick a third language. Um, right. I think it's here somewhere. I'm pretty sure that's correct, but I can always double check it later. But yeah, I'm pretty so. But so you do get the opportunity to pick another language if need be. But yeah, it's sort of pigeonholing you down infernal just because you're a bit of a deception loving 
trickery, yeah. you know, kind of guy. It just feels a little bit odd. What I would like to see, to be honest, from all these is not just give one, maybe give two or three options on each background. Yeah, that'd be nice. Similar to how, uh, a lot, similar to how with the races, actually, because a lot of the races, it allows you to pick either small or medium, as yeah. in, in terms of your size. I think I, I don't see why it'd be too difficult to sort of allow you to do that with your languages as well. So, like, mm -hmm. you can pick either Infernal or uh, Dwarvish, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Next, we've got Criminal. So, Dexterian uh, and Intelligence. Yep, two decks, one Intelligence. Um, here's your sleight of hand and your stealth, and here's your thief tools. Okay, yeah, so we're not diverting too far from the charlatan, it's just slight alterations to separate the two. Yeah, and then it is something that's interesting actually. So, the language that you get with a criminal is thieves can't. So, are they take, are they going to take that away from the rogue class? Because I believe that thieves can't something that the rogue class learns, isn't it? Is that am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so that so that implies to me that obviously because you know, classes aren't in this just yet. So that implies to me when they do release the playtest for the classes, there's going to be quite a few changes there as well. Uh, one being that, that, at least this implies to me that Thieves can't and that kind of class-based feature will be removed yeah. in favour of it having it in the backgrounds. Yeah, 100%. Um, we've got Cultist coming, uh, making a return. Two Intelligence, one Charisma. I reckon they've done that to sort of... Um, help the warlocks or the wizards that are going to be picking this up uh it's definitely going to be sort of like a lawful evil character you're gonna you're diving straight into abyssal which makes sense you're getting arcana you're getting religion so yeah it's definitely a heavy magic focus it's a shame that obviously because it's so heavily magical focused you're not going to get sort of rogue cultists or stuff maybe popping up yeah, I'd say the only the only way that you could make that work is if you pick like an arcane trickster, for example, um, which would which would be pretty good because you get you do mm -hmm. get the plus two to intelligence. But yeah, I think it's definitely more in, definitely more sort of aimed at uh, spellcasters, particularly with the feat that it gives you yeah. being uh, magic initiate with with the arcane spell list. Um, so that's pretty. I, I like that. That's definitely something for me, being as that I tend to play. Not so much recently, admittedly, but I do like and lean towards the spellcasting classes, particularly Warlock, so I like that background. I think it's quite nice. Um, and then equipment as well. You get, obviously, your disguise kit, a bell, common clothes, dagger, 19 gold, which I think is the most I've seen so far. Oh, oh no, the uh, the artisan. I think it's the artisan gets 25, uh, but you get a robe and a lamp as well, um, so pretty interesting there. All right, entertainer. As you can imagine, you get two charisma, and in this, you get plus one dex. I'm pre presuming this is for the performance uh, proficiency that you get, as well as the acrobatics. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Um, tool proficiency is musical instrument, one of your choices. That's, uh, you would thought maybe you could spice that up with a deck of cards or something, but obviously musical instrument is your go-to, first of all. Language is elvish. See again, it just feels weird why they're like pressing Elvish onto the entertainer. It, it just doesn't make sense, really. I'd like to see a couple of options on that, and then you get the feet musician. So, I'm not sure what that entails at the moment, but yeah, just I'm not sure why we're being pushed on single languages. I want to see a few options here. I, I think... want to be my gnome bard. Why, why do I need to know Elvish? 
I think to that point, I think it'd be really nice if so for, for entertainer, it could just say any standard language, which means that you'd have to, you know, you pick a language from the list of material plain languages that we yeah. saw earlier. And then for the likes of cultist, which obviously, you know, just because it's a cult doesn't mean that it has to be demonic. demonic nature. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it could be celestial. So could be for the, for this, druidic, you know. Exactly. So the language here for the cultists could be pick one of the rare languages. So and then that sort of dictates the style of cult that your character belongs mm-hmm. to. I think that'd be a really nice change. Um, but yeah, like you say, like an entertainer that's specifically elvish, it just feels yeah, it does feel a bit weird. It does give across the impression almost as if, you know, they they sort of I feel like made this change to take away <clears throat> from the fact that you almost shoehorned into certain choices depending on the race that you picked, but it seems like they've not really resolved the problem. It almost feels like they've just moved it across to a different aspect of your character creation, which is your background. And they've added additional constraints now. So they've made it so that obviously you, you know, all of this is subject to be changed per your, you know, your own individual game, but they're making these, I think, in-game assumptions for you. So they're saying, you know, oh, you're an entertainer. You must know Elvish because, you know, this is the, the language that all of the, the songs and music are composed in. Um, which is great if you're, you know, struggling to, to sort of make those choices in your game, or if you're running from one of the pre-written adventures. But for a DM running something homebrew or something non-Wizards of the Coast setting, um, it brings in some assumptions which can cause some confusion, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Completely agree. I mean... To that point, obviously, like the, the, uh, there's a few settings where, like, I think I can't remember the name of the. There's a, there's one setting that's a pretty famous and popular uh, setting for D and D. I do believe it is third party, but elves don't exist, for example. So, or it's a different type of elf, and they do they speak a different language than Elvish. So that would then mean that, and again, if it's a pretty strict DM, then the entertainer background is pretty much a no go for for those players. And I know that's an extreme example, but it is things like that where. It just sort of doesn't give you the, you know, they they've creating these backstories, they've created this like they've they've changed how you create a character to be able to give you so much variety, but then also take away variety in certain aspects, and it just feels a bit, yeah, feels a bit odd. Well, yeah, the it's only, the only thing. Topic. Oh, go on, you go. Oh, I was just going to say it's a little bit off topic, but I was sort of hoping that they would use this opportunity with how they're shaking up the way that languages are working to sort of go back to something that they, they looked at in previous editions, whereby they made it a way for the, the player to take advantage of their intelligence score. So your intelligence score could directly correlate to not only the languages you know in terms of what they are, but also how many. I was sort of looking and hoping for that. In this case, though, it seems like they're actually taking away from that so that, you know, even a character which is as low intelligence as you could get, like six intelligence, for example, it feels like they would have just as easy of a time learning three languages as a genius 20 intelligence character. And as someone who is currently going through the process of learning a language, I can say it should not be like that at all if they're trying to aim for realism in in regards to the the language learning process. Yeah, I mean, so like, you know what you're thinking in terms of like so if you're uh you you know as many languages your uh, intelligence modifier for example so obviously one way to look at it for sure yeah 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 i mean that that yeah that definitely would make sense obviously your minimum would be one because obviously well depending on i guess if your intelligence is really low then maybe you don't speak or maybe you communicate via grunts but well you're uh, not too far off in previous editions they made it so that if your intelligence score was too low you weren't literate so you couldn't read or write 
Well, so there you which go. Which was an so, interesting trade-off. Yeah, no, I quite like that, and it's and that again that makes for because I, I know that a lot of people, I know Alex, you're particularly fond of having a dump stat in terms of how it in, influences your RP, and I think I quite like that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, of course, I, you got to have a dump stat. Exactly. So I, I quite, I, yeah, I quite like to see that. That'd be quite nice. I think that you know having the amount of languages that you can learn be dictated by something like your um, intelligence modifier would be quite nice. So obviously the more intelligent your character is, you can learn more languages. That would be really nice. And it fits with like a wizard, for example, who is someone so devout in learning, you know, all things arcane. Obviously not every spell book is going to be written in common. That's just a fact. So uh, by nature, a wizard is going to want to pick up new languages to be able to, you know, increase his arcane abilities. So, no, I quite like that. That makes sense. It's a bit of a mistrick. At the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. You can always homebrew this, but with every minor thing that you need to change, it sort of adds to that. And I'm, without going too much in depth to it, with some of the changes I've seen in the wider um, Unearthed Arcana document they've given, I'm getting a sense that there's a lot that I'd want to change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, definitely, definitely agree. I mean, we can always, we can always visit those another time. Right. Uh, Next up, uh, it's the guard, I believe. Uh, no, we'll go Farmer. No, yeah, yeah. If we read down the page, yeah, yeah. Farmer. Farmer. So, yeah, farmer. two constitution, one wisdom, animal handling, and nature. You gain proficiency in carpenter's tools. You gain the language halfling and the feet tough. Now, this is one of the only languages where I'm like, yeah, it probably does fit the. It probably just fit the background. Farmers are heavily influenced by, um, or heavily like populated by halflings in the Forgotten Realms. So it, I can see it for this one. Oh, don't get me wrong, fair play to them on that one. Two constitution, they're hearty people. They work hard. I get it, hundred percent. Equipment you get: carpenter's tools, sickle, healer's kit, traveler's clothes, iron pot, and twenty-three gold. So, honestly, all round, it's a pretty, like, bog-standard background for this one. I believe there's nothing out of the ordinary. It all fits well. And I, this is probably the one where I'm sort of, get, I can get behind the most and agree with. The only thing that I would say about this one, though, is exactly the same with in terms of, uh, you know, the entertainer knowing Elvish. In, so, it's sort of shoehorning you in that, all entertainers are typically elvish. For example, this is all farmers are typically halfling. Obviously, there would be farmers in every single one of the races. So this feels a little bit like a backstep in terms of the way that D&D want to go from where 5th edition started, in that they want to avoid orcs having plus 2 to, to strength and 1 to constitution, things like that. And, you know, And it's sort of having it sort of stereotypes, if you will. It feels like they've tried to release the stereotypes via the the ability score modifiers in the races have, have been obviously gone, which is fine. I think that's a good step in the right direction. But then having the languages there instead, it definitely feels like the stereotypes are still there. So how you said, Alex, obviously a halfling feels right for a farmer. I feel like that is just literally a stereotype. So again, I, I know we've discussed it, so I won't go too much into it. But I think that instead of having it be halfling, it's just pick one of the common races, the common languages, because at the end of the day, let's be honest, farmers are going to exist in every single race. Yeah, I agree, to be honest. Yeah. It, you're right. Overall, it's, yeah. I think it's probably the biggest stereotype of them all, that halflings and farmers go hand in hand. And that's yeah. why I could see it. But you're right. I don't think it's probably the right direction. I think they should just choose 
um, like under languages, it should just be choose one standard language or choose one rare language. Yeah, definitely. Because to me, that just feels like a step backwards. Mm-hmm. They've made the right choice when it comes to races and getting rid of the ability score modifiers. Love it. Step backwards in terms of language and for the backstories. You'll notice that in each of the descriptions, it seems like the final sentence is sort of there to justify the choice on why they've picked that language. So in terms of farmer, obviously they mentioned uh, you made frequent use of the agricultural almanacs produced by the greatest halfling farmers. So that's sort of imposing a restriction almost on the DM there, because then that's saying, you know, okay, rules as written. Um, the greatest farmers in your world are now halflings which yeah. may be the case that you might have an entirely different concept for how you want halflings to look in your world. It's it's taking a lot of liberties and assumptions from the, the, the world-building aspect of the game. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and and that just sort of like leans into my point before how I mentioned they really, it feels like when they changed, made these changes to character creation, they wanted to give you as much variety as possible with your race and your class, things like that. But then they've taken it away in the same time with things like that, that you've just mentioned, obviously with, you know, the last, the last lines in each of these descriptions. And again, by having that there. So like, obviously, as you obviously mentioned, it says like many farmers, you frequently use agricultural almanacs produced by the greatest halfling farmers. Again, that just leans further into the stereotype, not even just by having the halfling language be default. So yeah, I, I just feel like a colossal step backwards and it feels almost counterintuitive to the goal of this playtest and again it is a playtest so this is subject to change uh and i I would like to see some of you know i would like to see this change uh because it does feel a little bit does feel a little bit odd it's like well what's the message do do you want variety and and i think that's an easy fix oh of course yeah it's definitely an easy fix i mean yeah i mean the solution we provided earlier is more than good enough for me anyway i would like to see absolutely it would be good if they provided like an optional rule or something or a sentence at the start that specified, you know, just some sort of rules as written clarification that says, you know, if you feel like the language doesn't suit your setting, this can be exchanged for another simple language, for example. Um, Silver lining, though, regarding this, I think this is a new class, right? And it seems like they've added a couple of new ones or not class, sorry, a new background. So I don't think farmer is something that was present in fifth edition. No, no, I don't think it was. I think it is new. And again, that's great to see. It is, yeah. it is great to see. I have to um, give them credit for making new content. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of that. No, of course, of course. Um, I think there's the only more to come. Good. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, to your point, Charlie, how about how, how they can have a sentence at the start of the section saying, you know, if this doesn't suit your world, change it or whatever. I just think that it's easier if they just give you the option right there in the background, because then it just sort of negates all of that. And then there's no... There's no rules lawyering about rules as written versus mm-hmm. homebrew rules. So I think I think it's a really easy fix and a bit of an oversight in terms of, you know, uh, on the behalf of Wizards of the Coast. But again, it's a very minor issue. Right. What's up next? We've got Gladiator next. Okay. Charlie, do you want to go ahead and take this one? Oh, you know what? I'll do it. Gladiator, getting some ability scores there, plus two strength, plus one charisma. Getting some skill proficiencies. You got your athletics, your performance makes perfect sense. You're a, a performance-based, um, you know, role in society. You're a, uh, a fighter for sport. Um, Smith's tools, interesting. I guess that could derive from you know maintaining your own equipment. Language, orc, interesting. Feet, savage attacker. So, first glance there. For me. 
the so they they've taken the ability score increases away from the orc as as a race and the idea behind that for me at least was such that you know we don't want to be associating certain stereotypes with certain races anymore the fact that they've then sort of shoehorned gladiators into speaking orcish as standard seems a, a little bit bordering on problematic for me yeah no i can um, did they give a sentence that sort of justifies it? I mean, the last sentence there says, you'll forever share a remarkable bond with all the other pit fighters in your stable. Humans, dragonborn, dwarves, and orcs, hardened warriors, all. Why would they pick orcs out of that? Why not give you an option from any of the races that they listed there? Exactly. Yeah. It feels, it, it does feel odd to me that the, the orcs is last in that list. Humans, dragonborns, dwarves, and then orcs, but then orcs is the language that you speak. Yeah, yeah I think it just reinforced weird. the point that we've basically come across under every background, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's it is very very stereotypy, and I I think that we'll continue to see that honestly. So what's next? Um, just in terms of equipment for that as well. So you get a chain uh, as a gladiator, um, a costume, healer's kit, six javelins, smith tools, uh, traveler's clothes, and fifteen gold pieces. Okay, so the guard. Two strength, one wisdom, some athletics, and perception. Uh, perception, that goes hand in hand with the wisdom, right? That's why they put that there, maybe. As well as you can imagine a guard on watch. Yeah, maybe. that's what I'm thinking. That's what Guards I would, would be put on watch duty. They'd be Tall proficiency, perception. game intercept, maybe because they're bored, watching overnight, yeah. playing cards, playing dice games, stuff like that. Languages, sense. we don't need to go over it again. I think we've said five times that <laughs> so it's just stereotypical. <laughs> And the feature alert, I'd like to see what the alert feature gives you. That sounds pretty cool. I believe if it's the same as um, 5th edition, which obviously it won't be, they might have made changes, but 5th edition, that was all about being unable to be surprised. So uh, We can go down and have a look at it if you yeah. wish. It's interesting. It introduces the concept of, yeah. does this mean that every single guard in the D&D &D world has the alert feat? <laughs> in which case as it means monster that ambushes well, against right? guards or yeah ambushes I, against guards are now impossible apparently i think it's another case of of the the player character version getting a little bit more yeah. slash different yeah. than, the, yeah. than the creature you've so. got plot and in all fairness it's not what i thought it was now it looks like they've changed it so that you've just got a better proficient uh proficiency and in initiative rather than being yeah. able to be surprised Nice. Yeah, so it gives yeah you add your proficiency bonus to your initiative role and you're able to swap your initiative with a willing ally all right, so that's guard. Nice. Uh, where were we? Um, down a bit so more. There we go. So we've got the guide. Plus two wisdom, one dex with stealth and survival. Is this sort of like a cartographer's tool? So is this a guide for like um, cities or is it a guide like across maps? Like, I would definitely sure. say, I would, well, I'd say based on the language, it being giant it makes me think of someone who's gonna sort of help you through giant country for example yeah yeah it says like in the first line outdoors far from settled lands right okay yeah yeah so all right so it's a guide through world in the same okay yeah so again that's sort of like you know why can't i be a guide in a city and then change maybe mm. the i don't know maybe one of those like survival why would i need survival in the outdoors why can't i be a guide in a city change out survival for something else i don't know yeah, for sure. A city guide makes perfect sense. That that would be a really cool background to go with. Cool. Definitely. All right. So what's what's the equipment on this? I'm presuming will, it's outdoors, just, right? I will just point out as well, actually, the feat that you get as part of the guide. So 
if I'm thinking guides, two plus two wisdom, plus one dex, stealth survival, cartographer's tools, you know, all about sort of leading you through dangerous country on the road, that immediately strikes me as being someone who's a ranger, for example, yeah. if I was to draw its closest comparison in terms of class. Yet the feat, the feat that it gives you is magic initiate. Now, I will caveat that and say that it is the primal spell list, which is all very nature. So obviously ranger and druid would draw from that list. But again, it feels a little bit odd to me that a guide would have the magic initiate feat. Uh, I, I do think that's a bit of a bit of a weird choice. It's not terrible. Um, I just think that there might be a better one. So, for example, the alert feat. I think the alert feat would be a really good example because obviously if you're guiding a group of adventurers or a group of people through dangerous country, you're going to be on your toes, aren't you? You're going to be you're going to be constantly looking around. So I think alert would be nice here mm-hmm. rather than magic initiate. Magic initiate. Interestingly, it seems like it gives its justification for that feat in the last sentence of the paragraph, where it makes a presumption that you were uh, you met with some friendly druids who were kind enough to instruct you in the fundamentals. That sounds great and everything until you consider what if I'm making an evil character. What if I'm making yeah. a character that wouldn't get along with people like this? You know, it's it's taking liberties and making presumptions mm-hmm. with my character. Well, I'm getting the vibe from all of these is that it's for, like, newer players. Newer players that are diving in, they need guidance into how to play the game, what the settings are like, and they're going to just pick up a background and understand where they come from and what they know. Whereas, obviously, from us veterans that have been playing for a much longer time, Maybe we can work with our DMs. So myself and Dale would work with Charlie in our next campaign to say, look, I want to take guide, but let me change out a few of these things. What do you think? And hopefully we can come to some sort of agreement that is balanced. Sure. While I, while I like that, sorry, while I like that, I just think that in terms of admin for DM, so in Charlie's case, he's DMing for six players. Okay. So if we all approached... If we all approached our backstories with that logic, that's a lot of initial admin in terms of on Charlie to make sure that okay, you want it, you want this instead of this. Is it balanced? Does it make sure? Does it make sense for my world? So I think that I understand that obviously they want to make it easy for new players, but I I don't understand why just giving an an option here in the rules as written would be making it any more difficult for new players. Just give them a list underneath the back, literally give them a feat list underneath the background section and say take your pick from xyz or take your pick from the feet list below so uh, like the languages we're saying potentially go for choose one feet out of three choose one language out of three exactly and to charlie's point that last line as to sort of why it's why it's chosen magic initiate primal feet for the for the guide obviously talking about how you spent time traveling with a pair of friendly druids not only is that very restricting for the player because maybe as charlie maybe you said maybe you want to play an evil character but it's also very restricting for the for the dm so if so, if so it basically means that if someone wants to pick a guy for your for your campaign you need to add in a couple friendly druids into the story mm-hmm. somewhere that they, that they know and f- are familiar with it, it just and I know I'm not going to, I'm just going to brush over. I know we've spoken about it before, but it seems like one step forward, two steps back in terms of they want to give you all this variety and all this chance to make a really innovative, unique character. But then they restrict you with a couple lines in there and some of the choices that they've made. So. I think, yeah, but I think any long lasting D&D player is going to take that for what it is, take it with a pinch of salt and just completely customize it on upon their back. No, no, definitely. I just I mean, think it's the way, yeah. the way the way it's written. So the, you you come from an age in the outdoors, far from settled lands. Your home, anywhere you choose to unfill your bedroll. That 
in its sense it's very open it gives you the flavor of the guide and who the guide might be without nailing you to a certain location or a certain story i think adding that extra bit in about you've traveled with a pair of friendly druids who were kind enough to instruct you on fundamentals of channeling magic that's very specific to your backstory as a character so i think that they can keep it open and they can give you a flavor of what the guide might be or what a gladiator might be or a cultist but they don't need that extra bit of sentence Mm -hmm. in there that basically dictates what the story is for this character or they just put another line in saying example background or something or exactly like just like a like a little teaser of what you could create exactly that that would so someone would read that and be like oh i've got an idea i'm just going to tweak these few bits and here's my guide that instead of runs around with druids runs around with a pack of wolves i don't know (laughs) yeah no exactly i think uh, because i mean there are people and and again if we are thinking in the the sort of vein of a new player a new player is going to come in is going to read this and take it word for word aren't they they're not going to have the experience or the knowledge about D and how D D can be played to understand oh i want to change that do you know what i mean they're going to take it as is mm-hmm. uh, so i think that while it does make them it does make life a bit easier for them just they can just take it and run with it i think that giving them the option makes it easy for new players and it makes it good for people that are used to playing D. it suits all audiences so i think that that's just a quality of life change that i would make all right should we move on to the next because yeah, uh, cool. yeah, I think we've got a few more, and uh, yeah, we've been yeah. going at these quite a while. So yeah, so we'll do a we'll do a whistle stop tour. Obviously, this thing the the issues that we've pointed out so far are probably going to be the same all the way through. So we won't we're not we won't mention them again. Um, but next we've got hermit. So ability scores plus two to wisdom plus one to constitution. Uh, her, the wisdom definitely makes sense for me. Hermit constitution maybe not so much. I think it's nice to have. Um, skill proficiencies would be medicine and religion. Not quite sure why religion is there as a hermit, um, but again, that's it feels like it's dictating why you're a hermit. But nevertheless, um, tool proficiency herbalism kit fits perfectly. Language Sylvan is what it is. We've already discussed it. And then uh, feet is magic initiate primal again. Yeah, I can understand that. I so just just that. flicking through the text there, it does it just definitely sort of reinforces why they've made those decisions, which seems to be a reoccurring theme. Uh, probably one that I would definitely customize quite a lot than what they've suggested. That's probably not how I would envision a hermit, but it yeah, that's certainly. just what they've gone for for now. Um, the equipment you get: bed rolls, a book, fishing tackle, herbalism kit, lamp oil. Quarter staff, traveler's clothes, and 15 gold. Okay. Well, Charlie, tackle laborer. All right. Laborer. Pretty sure this is a new one as well, just worth highlighting. I think it is. Plus two constitution, plus one strength. Uh, you're going to get athletics and survival as your skill proficiencies. Um, you'll be gaining tool proficiency in mason's tools. Speaking Dorvish, not going to say anything, just emphasizing a point that we mentioned earlier and a feat of tough um yeah pretty cool looks like it just gives you a way to sort of have a character that has a background in construction yeah it's a, it's a new one i like it yep equipment you're gonna get a bullseye lantern very interesting kind of lantern people often overlook the mechanics of lanterns in D. uh it's cool to see that they're putting an emphasis on that by letting you be able to pick it unfortunately the fact that everyone has dark vision seems to remove the, <laughs> yeah. the fact that lanterns have this diversity sometimes but who knows maybe they'll change that up with uh with the, the races in the in the new edition um 
Common clothes, a hand axe, a light hammer, uh, mason's tools. Makes sense they have proficiency in those. Uh, a mess kit, oil for your lantern, uh, a shovel, a water skin, and 15 gold pieces. Yeah, pretty good Pretty good uh, little background you got there. Yeah. Next up, we've got a familiar one being noble. So plus two to charisma, one to intelligence. Uh, skill proficiencies are history and persuasion. Uh, I guess that makes sense. Obviously, a noble would be very learned in the histories. In the histories. Um, tool proficiency is gaming set. Now, I'm not quite sure what I'd replace that with, but doesn't. Maybe it fits. Maybe it's chess, for example. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of when I look at that chess. Yeah, uh, language draconic. No idea why it's draconic, but it is what it is. Uh, and then the feat would be skilled. I'm not 100 percent sure what skilled entails, so don't know whether that fits or not. Um, obviously, raising the castle, creature wealth, power, privilege, so on and so forth. Not you didn't earn any of it. The usual sort of silver spoon deal uh, and then equipment would be fine clothes gaming set uh, perfume uh, don't think i've ever seen perfume before uh, a signet ring and 24 gold pieces nice oh they've given it a nerf from 5e what's it got in 5e 25 gold pieces oh, <laughs> one gold <yeah>. down <laughs> uh next up we've got pilgrim um so plus two to wisdom plus one constitution uh i guess that makes sense the wisdom's skill obviously going to fit with the religion right exactly yeah definitely and and, and the skill proficiency is being a religion of survival it makes sense um survival i guess yeah because you're on the road obviously you're traveling from from religious sites to religious sites so yeah that makes sense to me tool proficiency being musical instrument now a musical instrument might be a nice companion on the road not quite sure why it would fit um but it is what it is again. I think it's because to... every background needs they're they're giving one to every background, right? Of course. So it just seems like out of all the selection of proficiencies that you can give a background, that's probably the one that's like they've gone, Yeah, I guess it kind of works. None of them fit, so we'll give yeah. them the musical one. At the same time though, you could think like maybe they could they could create new ones. They've gone ahead and created a whole new race, which we can talk about another time. Uh, for this play test, why can't they create new tool proficiencies? Yeah, um, and I mean that's probably they're probably back there chugging away making so. But uh, as of this play test that draws heavy on five e, I think they've just slapped one in there for now, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, language halfling is what it is. Feet healer. Uh, now off the top of my head, I can't remember what healer does, but uh, something obviously it's something to do with healing. Uh, so it feels like this pilgrim. Uh, obviously, uh, it feels like a lot of the other backgrounds so far have been, you know, you could see them going one way or the other in terms of class. It feels like the Pilgrim was literally custom designed for a cleric. I can't really see it working amazingly well for any other class. Paladin? Uh, yeah, Paladin. Yeah, Paladin's not a terrible shout. But one constitution to wisdom. Paladins use charisma for their... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they use charisma, yeah. Spell, spellcasting modifier, yeah. So it definitely feels more in line with the cleric oh yeah um, obviously so again but it's not terrible it's a great choice if you, if you do choose a cleric uh equipment bedroll healer's kit holy symbol musical instrument two days worth of rations which feels really weird um traveler's clothes and 16 gold pieces so next up we've got a a comeback king the sage i remember picking up sage is probably one of my first ever backgrounds but in this version, we get two intelligence, one wisdom. You get arcana and history. Two proficiencies, you get the calligraphy supplies. 
you get the language Elvish and your feat is the Magic Initiative and you get to choose from the Arcana spell list. Um, so all round it's still pretty similar to what you would expect from 5e. Uh, equipment wise you get the, a book, a history book. I'm not sure what that entails. Maybe speak with your DM. It could be something game related. I think it's I think it's specifically for the skill proficiency in history. Obviously, it just helps you with that. It's flavor, I think. Right. Okay. Uh, clear for supplies, parchment to write stuff down, quarter staff to bonk people with shillelagh, and robe, a set of robe and eight gold. So, all right, I'd take it as a druid again. Not bad. A druid. Yeah, Two take intelligence it. On wisdom. Yeah, take I mean, it as a druid, or take yeah. it as a spellcaster or something. If if you take it as druid, it definitely help you bomb people with shillelagh. That's for sure. Um, go on, Charlie. Take sailor. Okay, sailor. Plus two dexterity. Plus one wisdom. Acrobatics and perception. Uh, navigator's tools makes sense. Primordial. That is a weird one. Weird choice. Interesting. Uh, and then a feat of Tavern Brawler. Um, and I guess it's justification there for Primordial. You've swapped stories with the folk who live beneath the waves. Interesting. Right, okay. Okay, yeah. Again, very pigeonhole in terms of story, but it's cool. Yeah. Um, equipment, dagger, fishing tackle, navigator's tools, silk rope, traveler's clothes, ten gold pieces. Um, next we've got mm. soldier. Uh, Plus two strength, one constitution, ability proficiencies in athletics and intimidation. Uh, first time we've seen intimidation, cool, yeah. Uh, tool proficiencies, gaming set. Again, it feels like they've just gone with gaming set with all of the sort of martial-ish um, backgrounds, apart from gladiator, obviously being tool, uh, what were they, um, forging tools or something. Uh, language, goblin. Feels really out of place for a soldier. Um, feels really out of place, actually. Uh, and then the feat that you get is Savage Attacker. Uh, we'll have a look at feats another time, um, so be sure to check that one out. Uh, equipment, 20 arrows, gaming set, obviously. Healer's kit, interesting. Quiver, short bow, spear, so you get a lot of weapons. Uh, well, you get... Yeah, I don't say for a soldier. Yeah, true. You get a spear and a short bow. Uh, not a lot of weapons, it's two weapons. Uh, travelers, <laughs> travelers' clothes and fourteen gold pieces. How many weapons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless uh, we've got the uh, the urchin. So on this one, you're getting plus two dex, one wisdom, insight, and stealth. Thieves' tools, common sign language, weird, and the feet lucky. So we did have a quick look at the lucky feet actually, and we think it's even more powerful than what it was in five e. But obviously, we don't need to go into that again. We'll probably do a little rundown of all the feats that have been added into one D and D. Um, but yeah, it does seem a little bit stronger. But overall, it's a it's an okay, it's an okay background. Not bad off the top of my head. What would I use it with? Rogue, ranger would be good. Two decks, one wisdom. Yeah, that's about it, really, isn't it? Yeah, Unless equipment. Bedroll, common clothes, daggers, gaming set, pouch, thieves, uh, thieves tools, and 18 gold. Yeah. So, uh, and again, unless you were going a sort of dex based fighter, uh, would be pretty good. But yeah, overall, I mean, that's all of the backgrounds that have been included in the playtest for one D&D. Um, I would say that there's some interesting ones. There's, there's a couple of new ones. So, Laborer being one of them. Um, which else was the Farmer was a new one. I think that was it. 
in terms of the new ones, I believe. Yeah, I believe it is. We've got a lot of returning um, ones as well, but yeah, it's but... it's all about the ability scores that are attached to them now that sort of define them. I think we can sort of round off by saying that they need some work more than some more than others. Um, yeah. The languages feel a bit of out of place, and we'd like to see more diversity in the languages. We'd like to see a little bit more diversity in the features as well. Yeah, uh, and also just sort of remove the very specific lines about story in there. So not only for the players, but for the DMs as well. Uh, it's nice to have, and it's nice to be able to use that as a guide, but it's not necessary. I think that any, any new players that come along, any new people to D&D, they're not going to be DMing. So I don't know that's not an issue for the DM. It's an issue for players, and it's not really, it's not really that important. I think they're backstory should be unique to their world that they're playing in so yeah just keep it open-ended and uh, add a little bit more choice in there but i think that it's a really really good start and i am i'm a fan of uh of the sort of rationale behind it obviously with the ability scores the proficiencies and then also the feats as well yeah i think our critique just comes from passion for the game you know we want to see the best that comes from it especially with this big announcement of one D D. um so yeah, our critique doesn't really come from a bad place, but more just from a pay, place of passion. And uh, we hope to see a few changes, a few tweaks to really the core fundamentals of the background. Um, and I honestly can say that I'm super excited to dive into creating new characters in this, you know, in this rule set, in this in this setting. No, definitely. And, and like you say, like it, it is always from a good place, and I think that. Why, if the rules stay like this and backgrounds stay written in this way when the book comes out in two years' time, it's not going to be a terrible thing. I'll be slightly disappointed. I will be completely honest, but mm-hmm. it's not a major thing that yeah. we can't overcome. But because, and again, how this is sort of uh, aimed at new players for us guys that have been playing D and D for a while doesn't really matter. Yeah. We can always change it. I mean, we're long-lasting D and D players. If I go to Charlie and say, "Look, I want to play this background." but my language is a bit weird. Can I change it? I'm sure he's not going to disagree and stick hard to the rules. Yeah, unless he gets six people coming at him saying... <laughs> Don't give me thing. that look. Don't give me that look. <laughs> no, I, I think, to be honest with you, the, the potential extra work that might come from having some modifications done here to suit your players' needs in the world, I'm happy to take that trade-off even as is, just because we're getting all of this additional content in terms of the the additional backgrounds. There's more to pick from, and I'm always a fan of having more choice. So, yeah, all in all, whilst there's some valid criticisms that could be easily fixed, I'm I'm happy with it. Nice. Okay. So, I think that's just about covered everything. So, if any of you at home are interested in playing the new rule set, or one D D as it's been named, you can go to the D D website and download it for yourself. I think it's under under playtest. I think maybe D Beyond website that is. Yeah, the D D Beyond website. I think I might have even downloaded it personally from the D D website, but D D okay. Beyond as well. Uh hey, why not mate? Be sure. Um for yep. more the Lich Lounge content though, you can catch us every week uploading to YouTube, to Spotify, to Amazon podcasts, wherever you can find us. Make sure to keep track of us on Twitter as well. Notifications go up there all the time. Uh, we'll be uploading our live games uh, under the Dragons of the Art. Dragon... Honestly, the Dragon Lords. There you go. I got it out. Well, you got it out for me. Honestly, the Dragon Lords saying we're playing that every week. So make sure to tune in 
uh, on at our YouTube channel there. And what else have we got? Podcasts coming out every week now. So this is our second podcast. So keep an eye out for more to come. Like we mentioned, we're going to have a look at maybe a lot of the one D&D package that just come out. We might even dive into the features in our next episode. So keep your eye out for that. And unless there's anything else anyone's got to add. Uh, we'll just say... I will just say, if you've enjoyed the content and you want to see more, make sure that if you're listening on podcasts, you follow us uh, on, on whatever podcast platform that you are listening on. And if you're on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe, like the video, comment. It helps us out a lot. And uh, thanks for listening. Perfect. Well, unless you've got nothing else to say, yeah. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Lich Lounge podcast. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel and Spotify for the latest episodes and make sure you check out our Twitter at the Lich Lounge for updates on upcoming content.